1: Welcome to WellFar, the weekly running podcast that will be by your side as you train for 26.2. It's hosted by me, Amy Hopkinson. By day, I'm Women's Health Digital Editor, but when not in the office, I'm a marathon runner too. So this year, with the race on the horizon, I'm here to help with blisters and bruises, runners' highs and lows, what to eat before Sunday run day, and how the heck you refuel after. There is so much advice in this week's podcast. So keep listening because I have some great tips and tricks coming up for you. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to WellFar. I hope you've all had a really lovely week and your training is going well. I've got over my calf issues, or actually, that's too much of a bold statement. I haven't got over my calf issues, but I am managing why I was suddenly subjected to a little bit of injury in my leg. I discovered by seeking a bit of help that actually it's not really my calf which is the problem, but I'm actually suffering from a weak left glute when I'm in certain positions. So what that means is is that my left glute isn't strong enough when I'm often on one leg and my knee is overshooting. And so my calf is having to do a lot of the work. And it's why I've been getting a lot of tightness and pain. um, And actually, I've had to quit a few runs because of it. I am now dealing with it, which means that I am doing a lot of work with a mini band and making sure that I am being super, super diligent with both mobility and recovery work. Because with only four weeks until the marathon to go, I've got one big more training run on my plan and then I'm going to start to taper down. On the subject, though, of knowing how to move well and move better, it's something which I'm really interested in because, let's be honest, the easier that running feels, the more enjoyable it is. Which is why this week I headed over to Fulham to a place called Profeet for an appointment in their 3D running motion lab. Here I was put on a treadmill where a lot of green dots were kind of like laser beamed at me. That is definitely not (laughs) the technical term, but that's what they looked like. And it was this tech that collected motion data about how I was running so that the team there could analyze my movement and give me a bit of advice. How it works is that they look at your running economy, joint loading, stride rating, and gait cycle. And they give you kind of metrics for how you're doing on all of those different areas. And they can compare you to their database of 600 athletes, which are pre-programmed into the system. And what I learned during that test is that actually I am a little bit lopsided when I run. And also I'm finding it a little bit difficult on one side to get my leg round in comparison to the other. It also helped me understand more about my gait cycle and understand whether I'm underprone overprone or I'm a neutral runner. It turns out I'm a neutral runner, and they advised me on my trainers from that. And I also found out about my stride rating and also how many steps I was kind of taking per minute, which is something called cadence. And so I came away with so much more knowledge about how I was moving and how I'm running, both good and interesting. I say interesting because I don't think anything is ever bad. It's just information so that you can go away and work on it. And so I'm actually going to be working on a couple of things as well as my mini band work. And that's one is my toe mobility, because that could also be adding to my calf. On my left side, I haven't got as much toe mobility. I'm not kind of bounding off as fast as I'm on my right. So I'm going to be working on that. And then secondly, I'm also going to be working on getting one of my knees up, a little bit higher because when I stride, one comes up higher than the other. So if you are struggling with injury or something doesn't feel quite right when you're running or you're just a bit confused about trainers, there is this service out there. It is a paid for service. I think it starts from about £65 for a basic. Assessment, but then it goes up depending on how much you want. But if, like I said, you're feeling a bit lost and a bit hopeless, do check out profeet.co.uk. This isn't sponsored, it's just something I went and did and I really enjoyed. So, as I said, I'm about four weeks out of my taper, which means a lot of you will be about six weeks out if you're running London, or you're going to be less than that if you're running Manchester. So, it's time to think about how to dial down the mileage, get your body recovered. And get your mind ready to run that 26.2. So, to do that, this week I head into the studio with PT and self proclaimed foot geek Andy Vincent. We talk about the best strategy for dialing down that mileage, but keeping the running enthusiasm and fitness high whilst you're not really doing too much. And then, guys, once I've done that, I go out on a very special run chat with my husband. If you're wondering why Ted has joined me on a run, it's because I've recruited him to interview me about my running journey and how I'm faring with training. Because after last week's kind of mini section on here, when I answered lots of questions about me and what I was doing, I had a whole load more. So I decided that what better a way to give you guys more information about my experience of marathon training than to be the run chat. Let's hope he's nice to me. I really hope he is. But before I do, just a quick shout out to Joanna Lowley, who brave being the newbie this week and joined Track Life London for her first speed session. She is experiencing something much like the rest of us I think where when you start a marathon journey you often just train by yourself and so this week after hearing about track life she booked on for a session and went down to the track and said according to her Instagram post that she had a really great time and she learned how to push her speed and her sprints and actually had some running mates for the evening so well done you Joanna. Right then guys enough from me let's get going with this week's episode. (laughs) here today to talk about what to do with the marathon only a few weeks away and how it's best to dial down the miles but keep the motivation high. Today's expert is Andy Vincent. He has more than 16 years experience working as a personal trainer and is a familiar face on the London training scene, especially so as he is currently based in London's premier gym, Third Space. He has far too many qualifications for me to mention here. So let me just introduce him as the foot geek with an arsenal of knowledge I know you're going to love. Today, let's talk about the taper. Welcome, Andy.
2: Hello. Thanks for having me
1: so with the marathon only a month or say six weeks out for a lot of listeners now because it depends on which one people are running what should everyone be doing with their training
2: so four weeks out i expect you to be doing your longest run so depending on your training and your training plan the plan should be guiding you up to your longest run something between about 18 to 20 miles and then over the next three weeks um, again depending on what, what race you're doing you'll be tapering down so you expect to do about a 13 mile run 10 13 mile run the week after and then bring it down to like a six seven mile run the week after that before you go into your full rest week
1: and why why do we all need to taper
2: uh, lots of reasons really I mean ultimately recovery is the, the biggest focus as you're running certainly those long runs you're getting quite a lot of, of muscle damage um, you'll feel that yourself you'll know when you're after your runs it's getting harder to do the distance you need time to repair if you continue to go on, on joints and muscles that are under a lot of stress eventually they'll they'll give up on you so this is your time to really give your body back a little bit and focus on your, your rest and recuperation ready for, for race day
1: I think that's it's, it's- Rest and recuperation should be so lovely. But I think when you've been training so hard, it's quite hard to wrap your head around.
2: Yeah, I get that. It's um it is a tough one, both sort of mentally to step back from doing the distance, but hopefully okay if it's your first one, you sort of almost have to trust the science and to trust the advice when you go through the process you'll uh, you'll hopefully feel like your your body can start to perform better uh, it's not going to be you're going to stop completely you just want to dial down the the kind of top end things, so the very long distance work and then if you are doing sort of tempo and interval based work that needs to come down out of it as well so again nothing that really makes the muscles sore that creates any muscle damage is really the focus for this point
1: is there an aspect of a training plan that during this time that runners should be really prioritizing
2: so again, yeah, but I mean, back to the the rest and repair. Everyone hopefully has some sort of recovery plan in place. So post activity be it soft tissue work on a foam roller, be it like joint mobility activation for some weak areas. That's really where you, you tap into that. This is a great time to book for sports massages and do the things that you know can sort of like just take the inflammation, the sort of swelling out of the muscles and, uh, and the joints as well. So it should be quite a nice time, I guess, in that sense that you get to prioritise some, uh, some, some nice massages and some long baths.
1: Um, <laughs> I'm smiling because it's all of the things that I know that I should do.
2: And don't do.
1: And, <laughs> Excellent. And don't, and don't do. So I'm going to run through them so that we can refresh them in everyone's minds and selfishly also by own. So foam rolling.
2: Um, so foam rolling, I guess there's quite a lot of uh, misconceptions around foam rolling. I like it as a tool. I do think to a degree it's probably slightly overused sometimes. Uh, foam rolling is more going to be around about trying to turn tissue off a little bit um when you especially when you go for a run you'll have certain muscles and you'll feel it in yourself that do a lot of work so there's a signal going to the brain that means the muscle is just amped up all the time so applying pressure to the tissue is a great way of just relaxing so you can focus on putting a bit of pressure onto a certain site on a muscle the tight it band at the side of the most people's legs is usually we'll go to first And as you sit on the same spot and you take a nice deep breath in and on that exhale you should feel the muscle, it's painful at first, but everything starts to subside a little bit. So you just try and sort of is classified as bring down the, the tone of that tissue. So you're just trying to bring the, the sort of the signaling down. It's not necessarily a, a method of, of massage in that sense. You're not trying to realign fibres, it's not really about the rolling motion as much as the kind of like the sitting on it, applying pressure and breathing into it. I like to always pair, I we have this conversation before about pairing a foam rolling exercise with some sort of flexibility or mobility exercise on the same side straight away. So if you're doing an IT band foam roll massage before you go left side to right side, I would just do a little stretch on that area on that side if you know an IT band stretch. And then yeah, and then then focus on mobility after that.
1: And what mobility exercises or drills should we be doing as runners
2: yeah so hopefully you've, you know a few anyway for, uh, if you're a runner um you can focus on obviously areas that you feel are tight and i've never had a distance runner come to me and say that nothing felt a bit niggly when they came back from a run so if it's like a little bit pinching in the hip or if if this outside the leg inside the leg the calf the underside of the foot, if any of those things feel tight, you want to do some some soft tissue work on that. You need to be mindful, mind you, that you don't want to be starting to create vast amounts of extra range of motion whilst you're performing sports. So you would look to two days before a particular run. So if you know you're resting on Monday and you've got like a shorter run on a Tuesday, maybe Sunday night on Monday would be a good time to do it. I wouldn't be doing really intense stretching and then thinking about going out for a run because you can, to a degree, alter your 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 stride mechanics and how you move when you run
1: and for people that are going out on their longest run this weekend as somebody who is obsessed with feet in in a non-weird way (laughs) 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 feet and the body how would how would you tell runners to prepare for their run and then also recover afterwards
2: yeah so like Obviously, my speciality comes around foot mechanics and improving sort of how they interact with the floor. So I always like to incorporate some sort of drill that takes the foot through its ranges. So that would always be on a bare foot. Um, so before you go out for your run, get in your sports gear, stand on one foot. I do a little drill called a foot circle, which you might have seen me do before, where you stand in the centre. and Imagine you're stood on a, on a clock and you've got 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock. So you stand on one foot and then with the non-stretching foot, effectively, you reach that foot forward to 12 and you bring it back to centre. And the idea is that as the right foot's moving around and reaching to all the clock points, the left foot, that is my stance foot, effectively has to move and articulate to the floor. There's 33 joints in the foot. All of those joints can articulate and move to the floor. So feet get very rigid and locked in because we wear footwear in the office in our training and feet are a huge part to play with how you walk and run so it's one of those skills that the better you can make your foot function the more or the less energy in fact you have to expel during a run because it will just it will do its job better and then recovery is always the big thing hopefully you've been sort of either being consistent with your nutrition on your long run days so you can start to play around a little bit to see what works what doesn't work but you've got to be thinking about at this stage, um, if you've been doing a bit of carb loading on that big training day, that long run day, these are certainly the days that you need to make sure that you sort of changing your nutrition to kind of match what you intend to do on race days. So there's no big alterations in the amount of energy you put into the body. But this is, yeah, absolutely where you want to start to increase your carbohydrate intake post-activity. That doesn't mean the, the one meal straight after it means... Progressively in every meal um, for the next sort of like twenty four hours after training.
1: Okay, so it's not just that it's not just come in, have a roast, move on. It's...
2: No, I would. It obviously depends on the the intensity or the level of the person that's doing the run. But I would be wanting. Yeah, I'd be wanting to think about. how... Okay, on race day, you want to know what, how you need to nourish for it. If you're making big changes in nutrition on the day that you race that you've never done before, you might find your legs feel heavy, you feel sluggish, you've not uh, fueled up for the workout the right way. So the last few long runs, as you build up to the longest run, I would always say fairly consistent with what I do in the morning. The time I race, I run, and uh, what I do as part of the recovery.
1: And so you come in and you have quite a carb-heavy meal. Should you then be stretching?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Good time to stretch. Again, there's you can kind of listen to different voices. I hear different coaches say different things all the time. Again, I sort of fall in line with whatever feels right for the person because some people Mm. swear you should do more before, some people swear you should do more after, and you can read scientific peer-reviewed studies to say both work so again i'm not big on changing people's protocols rapidly in one run run i would like the the same warm-up and recovery to be done building up to uh, an event but yeah obviously a post activity is when you want to start doing some stretching certainly on areas that you know are starting to become an issue with you i expect things like hips it bands ankles by now to feel a bit beaten up so they're going to need like a little bit of tlc but that would be not just for post run that would be kind of a little bit every day really.
1: Do you ever get clients come to you and say I've started to taper but I'm finding it really stressful because I feel like I'm losing my fitness because I'm not doing much?
2: Yeah 100% every time Um, it's a really interesting point I think more psychologically rather than actually physically people start to really worry with this because yes you might feel a bit sluggish your legs might start feeling a bit heavy um, as long as you're still easy enough carbohydrates it shouldn't be that your muscles start to run out of energy but on the flip side if you're doing a lot of long distance work or you're doing um intel based training within your running or tempo based training obviously you get much more endorphin high from those sort of workouts so to taper down everything starts to kind of feel a bit flat after a Mm. while so you want to kind of tap into that endorphin high so i've had clients in the past where we've just done literally three or four minutes on a stationary bike 20 second intervals as hard as they can 20 to 30 seconds rest and then repeat that just so they feel like they get the buzz from training you can go really hard in those those little bursts of, uh, of interval training if it's your first marathon you do have to be a little bit careful with how hard you push yourself and this kind of stuff but if you've done it in the past you can start to kind of notice some patterns in yourself. But again, new nutrition could be important. Don't all of a sudden think, I'm not training, so therefore I can't eat, and then undernourish. So that, that mm. would then start to make your legs feel heavy as well. So you'd almost need to taper your nutrition down ever so slightly as you've tapered your training down, but then be reactive to that feeling of feeling sluggish and then just I'd get into the gym, get on a bike or on some piece of kit you've got access to and do a little bit of high-intensity work. Three minutes is definitely going to be about right.
1: Just to get the buzz?
2: Just to get the buzz, yeah, as simple as that.
1: And do you keep up your client's strength training work during a taper?
2: Not really, no. I no. Would, I'd move much more towards recovery. If you do any kind of like animal flow, yoga style stuff with more body weight, then you could keep that kind of stuff up. But I wouldn't actually put an awful lot of external load through the body at this stage.
1: You've mentioned nutrition a few times what nutrition advice do you give to clients in their taper you've obviously said to taper your nutrition down but is there certain food groups which you tell them to eat more of or
2: obviously carbohydrates you've got to think of your fuels really so your protein levels should stay fairly consistent throughout the whole process and they might come up a little bit towards the, the high intensity stuff so you've got the that's the building blocks but ultimately you're looking at fuels so your fuel sources are carbohydrates and fats fats when it comes to Distance um, activities, endurance activities, aren't a very effective um, fuel source because they're too hard for the body to really use. Mm -hmm. So you'd focus much more on uh, on carbohydrates. Again, everyone's obviously palate is different, so you need to make sure that you're, uh, you're, you're tailoring it to your own palate. But you'd ideally want to have the, the lower fibre carbohydrates around a workout, things like white rice, white potato, things that can get into the bloodstream a little bit quicker. And then sort of like later in a day or on recovery days, you can think of more of the, the f- fibre-heavy carbohydrate sources like your quinoa or your buckwheat or your sweet potato. But you would naturally need to taper down. Like, So if you know you're going from three runs and you've, you've just gone up to your longest run uh 20 miles and you're almost halving it and halving it again i wouldn't suggest a half your carbohydrates but you would naturally need to bring them down just dial it back but i also want to get a good like profile a different nutrient profile from your carbs so it's not just always white rice or always sweet potato you would want to have like a drip feed and maybe bananas fruit berries so you are getting different sources of, uh, of carbohydrates with your recovery
1: i once read that your body will carry you well until mile 21 but after that it is sheer willpower to finish what do you do with clients which are running the marathon to prep them for the last five and a bit miles
2: so you definitely need to to know that it's going to be a step beyond what you've done in your training you just got to take confidence in in the plan that you've got that you've laid out ahead of you before that's built up to that that one big race day you've recovered properly you've You've done your right taper. So it's really about just sort of taking confidence from that. You're going to get that massive adrenaline high from the crowd and the the fact it's an event anyway. If you've not done one before, it is really special. So you just need to sort of make sure people stay focused, make sure people stay calm. Um, There's no point of worrying about uh, every small factor that might go on on the day. But be confident that you've put in the groundwork, you've done your training, you've done your nutrition um, and then just, just go on and enjoy it.
1: Love that. And on race day, is there one piece of advice that you normally give to clients?
2: Oh, yeah, just relax. Um, <laughs> simple as <laughs> that. I think everyone wants to have some sort of science-y uh, thing that they should be doing. But I'd say most people just just breathe, relax, rest, try and enjoy it. Um, I'm sure bits will, will fly by much quicker than you, uh, you probably anticipate at first. But there's no point in getting yourself like, really sort of stressed out on the start line because it's not going to help you any time in the race
1: at the start line last year i did look down at my watch and my heart rate was 130 yeah because i was so stressed and anxious about just getting going yeah
2: getting going like yeah worrying about every little thing maybe that might come up so just sort of stand close your eyes breathe if you've ever meditated do that do just try and take yourself to that place that calms you down a little bit if that's be with a friend or, or whatever it is but try not to kind of like constantly overthink it
1: what advice would you give to second time marathon runners which could improve their journey or their times?
2: Yeah, so hopefully you can sort of look back in your journey and think about what maybe you didn't focus on very well, so hopefully you, you downloaded a plan and you're you stuck to it. But if you know full well that you didn 't download the plan and you started late, then there's obvious things that you can you can tap into ultimately. Sort of building a base around your strength as an individual is always the key. Bulletproofing joints, doing movement assessments, seeing where the patterns of their movements aren't necessarily great for running. And work on those because they're kind of hard to work on when you're in the journey because a lot of time then has to go, certainly in the later stages, has to go towards recovery. So looking at doing things that really alter or strengthen a certain joint or alter certain sort of stride mechanics and, and foot and landing mechanics. So if you can get an assessment... But yeah, I'd always prioritise that strength work. And if you've not really looked at the recovery during this process, be it what we said about foam rolling, if that sounded new to you or the mobility stuff sounded new to you, then again, it could be worthwhile just getting some... You can download really good plans for mobility for runners um, or to speak to someone um, at a local run club or a gym to make sure you do have the right tools in place to recover. The better you can look after your body, both strength and recovery, the more the body can give you, the more output you can get from it
1: it's not just about the running
2: it's definitely not just about the running and that's probably where most of my clients have gone wrong in the past is they've just they've got their training plan and they've started week 1 and they've not really got the best foundations to run and then sadly obviously injury is a thing that no one wants to happen but injury is what could happen in that stage and you then have that battle of do you Follow through with the run if you're really in chronic pain, and that's the last thing you want. So, um, hopefully, no one's in pain and no one's injured. Uh, But you definitely want to make sure that if, let's say, you do have a few niggles, that would be leading into this run. Next time, I'd see if I can sort of bulletproof my joints slightly better to make sure I can uh, take on the stresses of a 26.2 mile run.
1: So, for our listeners, where is the best place for them to follow you or potentially get in touch with any questions?
2: Uh, so, yeah, I work at Third Space in Soho. Um, so, I am bookable for sessions there if you're a member, but I also am on Instagram, Vincent Petey, and VincentPT, uh, and my website, and andvincentpeedy.com.
1: Thank you so much.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: Hold up.
1: And that, guys, is my wonderful husband and supportive partner, who is coming out on this week's Run Chat. How do you feel about it, Ted? Yeah, I'm looking
3: forward to it. I wish it wasn't quite so cold and windy. I've been led to believe that this is quite an easy-paced run anyway, so I'm sure it'll be fine.
1: (laughs) So, Ted is here this week because, as I said in the beginning of this week's (laughs) blog, after... I asked you guys what questions you'd like to ask me about my marathon training. I answered as many as I could. And then there was a whole domain. heap more. And so I thought what better a way to talk about my journey and the experience that I'm having than to rope in my husband, who happens to be a journalist, to the ask the questions.
3: Yeah, okay, so we might as well dive straight in. I'll <laughs> throw a few curveballs in. Oh, later down the line, but I'm going to lull you into a full sense of security with a few easy wins up front. <laughs> yeah, first question I'd imagine is that a lot of people you've got your own running podcast, you answer a lot of questions about running people must view you as a runner, but has that always been the case? When did you start? How did you start?
1: I definitely got into running when I was about 18 so quite a long time ago but I wouldn't say I really class myself as a runner until the past year and a half and that's because when I was 18 and I got into running I didn't really connect with it I just did it because it was a way to burn calories for free and then about two years ago I started to become more interested in running and started to really think about run training and then I ran the marathon last year and a couple of half marathons and I would say that's when I really kind of immersed myself into the sport of running.
3: When I first met you, you were going to fitness classes all the time which gave you a base level of fitness. Then you got really into strength training. You've kind of done it all. Um, So how do you feel like that journey's played out, and whether one kind of led to the another, helped each other.
1: So for like two years in London, I was going into these classes and I was working so hard, like 80 to 90% of my max heart rate, sweating buckets, burning loads of calories, and thought I was super, super fit, which I was in many respects. And then when it came to running, I actually found running for 20 minutes harder than in those classes. And I think there was a couple of things. And that was because, number one, when you're running for 20 minutes, you're doing continuous movement, Mm
3: -hmm.
1: which in these classes you're often not. You're often doing like big kind of bursts of energy and then you take a little break and then you go again. But the other side of it is the mental side. So when you're out running for 20 minutes by yourself, you have to motivate yourself to keep moving. And I think that's really, really hard. Whereas in those kind of classes, you get somebody shouting at you. (laughs) And so they're doing all of that for you.
3: And so what mentally have you sort of taught yourself or learnt to deal with that? How have you learnt to deal with that along the way?
1: I think in the beginning, it was realising, actually, it doesn't matter how far or how fast you go, it just matters that you go. And just giving it your, your best shot. What I stopped doing was putting really, really big expectations on my runs so I don't know if you remember but there was a few times when I was like this week I'm just going to run a mile then I'm going to come back and I'm going to do that a few times a week and so each of those runs were like somewhere between nine and eleven minutes yeah but um it was just getting my my mind conditioned that yeah I can I can run and I've done it great celebrate it
3: um, and then also the strength part I'm interested in as well because it's something that I struggle with and oh, I feel like I've never really been a runner. You've trained with Luke, you've trained with other people and sort of put these building blocks in place but how much do you feel like it really benefits you when you do, when you do miss sessions? Can you notice that as well?
1: So I think because I've been doing a solid two and a half, three years yeah. of um strength work I move really well and I've definitely been schooled in the thought of move well before moving more.
3: Are there any just button are there any um
1: then, sort of key <laughs> key, <laughs> key
3: cues that you think of whilst you're talking about moving well? Like I know it's a mechanical thing and that you're sort of built right but also there must be some of the things that you keep in your head that can help you mindfully make sure everything's moving in the right way.
1: Um, Yeah, there are. From going to track sessions and from doing drills, I've been taught about running form. So, shoulders down, chin up, keeping your core engaged so you don't bend through your back. When I'm running faster and things get really tough and I find that I start to sag a bit in my body, I actually do go... One, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. And that rhythm reminds me to pick my knees up and to think about my stride. The other thing I've done is, when I've been at track sessions, people have videoed me while sprinting. Uh And that's really, really useful because you can see how, like, flappy your arms are, for instance. Like, now, yeah, I really do. I do think about, kind of, keeping my elbows tucked in and, using my arms for power.
3: You're in a very nice position where you've got a lot of experts on tap and you get to to ask them all kinds of questions and get advice whenever you really want. And then you pass them on to other people through this podcast and people are able to cherry pick what they want and what applies to them. So I'm interested to see of all the tips that you've heard along your hashtag journey are the ones that you've put into place and you found most useful. Give me two.
1: Two pieces are activations Yeah. before running. I used to think they were really, really boring. Yeah. Well, they are really boring. Yeah. And when you decide to go for a run, you, you just want to get out the door, especially when you're at home, yeah. and then you've got your kit on. But getting your body ready to run and the muscles working Especially if you have an imbalance, I think it'll make all the difference. And I do notice when I don't do dead bugs as well before before running, that my core just doesn't feel as switched on for want of a very overused fitness term. (laughs) I think the second thing is fueling. Fueling if you want results. What I've come to realise over the years is there's a big difference to using fitness for say fat loss trying to run off fat yeah then trying to run for a pb Uh and I think perhaps in the past I didn't pay as much attention as what I ate and drank the day before a big long run or what I ate on the morning as I do now now I want to go out and I want to you know I want to find those three hours of running that we're doing at the moment easy yeah and I want my body to feel good and I feel my best when it's properly like carbed up and caloried up and also water. Like it's no good just getting up on that day and down in loads of water. It's all about what you drink the day before. So yeah, I suppose those are the two big bits of advice which are actually easy and free to put into place, which I think have made a big difference.
3: Um, And Talking about preparation, are there any things, particular learnings that you had? Any things you wish you'd do different in the run-up to Paris you're gonna be doing different?
1: So I've already been body gliding.
3: What the hell does that mean?
1: <laughs> oh, hello. <laughs> Is that
3: lubing yourself up, you mean? Yeah. I've slippery. Been,
1: I've been lubing up my armpits yeah. and lubing up if I'm wearing a running belt around the middle. Yeah. Because chafe wasn't something I thought about yeah. until the race. Yeah. Which is ridiculous, because in all the weeks leading up to it, yeah. you are running only a few miles off that distance,
3: yeah
1: and so i 've been using a uh, body glide not sponsored um, <laughs> earlier on and just been using it in all my runs just to make sure that any areas where things could kick can rub because it does i don 't think there is any kind of perfect kit really, because I think your body changes and stuff but um yes I've been using that to stop that in the run up to it I think the thing that I've been really thinking about this year is that I'm running I'm not racing so it's about getting to the marathon day injury free and feeling my best in body and mind and I think it's really hard to feel your best when you're stressing so this year I've had to just kind of been okay with the fact that my marathon training hasn't fit a plan. It hasn't been this perfect spreadsheet of runs and times, but I've just done as much as I can. And I've just not skipped the stuff which is really important for injury prevention. So I have been keeping up my two gym sessions every week. I've been adding 10% to my mileage. Trying to get some miles in in the week, and then when I can, pushing speeds on a speed day. But I haven't been hard on myself or unkind this. when that hasn't happened because, you know, somebody decided to propose and want to get married. so
3: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was me. I take the full responsibility. <laughs> Talking about celebrations then. Last year you celebrated in style with approximately three bottles of rosé wine. <laughs> Considering this year you'll be in Paris, have you got plans to do exactly the same thing?
1: 100%. <laughs> um, yeah, I have to say, my reco- my race recovery is not exactly out of a textbook. No. And I'm very lucky that at the end of all my runs I've done or races so far, I've had a big group of mates there, and I don't get to see all my mates that often, so... We normally do a big celebration, and that will be food and booze, and it'll be a good time.
3: And how long did it take you to get the feeling of having run a marathon out of your legs?
1: Oh, I was so surprised last year, because two days after the marathon, I had to fly to Greece for a women's health shoot, where I shot 15 workout videos over two days, Um, and I was dreading it, but I was quite diligent after, shaking off the hangover with recovery. So I did a bath where I did freezing water and ice cubes in the bath, drained the bath, then I put warm water in, so that's meant to help flush your legs, according to a PT I know. And then I wore my compression socks.
3: Yeah,
1: yeah. And I wore my office recovery sandals. <laughs> I look like I belong on a hospital ward. Yeah. But they seem to work and my legs were fine. I think it is because, you know, I'm strong, I'm mobile, and I'm being quite sensible. Yeah. So I'm hoping this year it's the same.
3: So once you've got over your hangover, mentally and physically, what are you going to do next after Paris? Because I think it's probably fair to say that a lot of people get into running. They work towards something. But not everyone is able to convert that into a a genuine habit. And I know that's something you want to do. So how do you plan on doing that?
1: So one of the things I said I was going to do last year, which I didn't do, but I really am going to try and do this year, is keep myself half marathon fit. Yeah. I'd really, really like to be able to know that I can go out and I can run a half marathon, but I'm not going to keep training for everything all year round. I think you need, you need breaks. So I think for me, it'll be just keeping a Saturday or Sunday run day in there of um, somewhere between 60 minutes and 90 minutes. Yeah, I, and I, can, do,
3: I can join you for a couple.
1: You can join me for a couple. It's something we like to do together now, or at least in my head we like to do it together. <laughs> I'm also going to keep up a, a treadmill session each week. I do like a treadmill speed session or a class which has got fast treadmill work in it because it just feels really efficient and effective. You know, I feel good on a treadmill. I'm not going to lie, like I get that... I get that like ego boost and buzz when I hit the tops speed. Yeah, watching
3: you make eye contact with yourself in the mirror at Barry's boot camp and go into beast mode is a sight to behold. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I can get that. I see that.
1: Here's a question for you. Okay. How painful has it been me marathon training again this year? Well,
3: I think if you look at it from the other side, it's just seeing it as someone having to make such an investment of their time and effort. In life, people's go-to option is to leave everything to the last minute and cram everything. And with a marathon, you're not able to do that. Or even with big races, you're not able to do that because it takes such a long time to build up fitness. So, yeah, I think you doing it a second time round. I was interested to see how you cope with that, but also hopeful that Second time around, you have a little bit more, have an idea of how you're going to do it, and I feel like you have. Am I right? Yeah. So, fueling a marathon
0: <laughs>
3: is—you're burning a lot of calories, obviously. So you're going out there, and what's the like your longest, cal- highest calorie burn on a on a twenty miler? About
1: two thousand.
3: Yeah. So that's a whole day, day's worth of free food, technically, if you're going to maintain. So. Have you used this as an excuse just to eat whatever the hell you want? Are you being sensible about it in any way? Is there a plan? Uh, what are you doing?
1: So, I'm being sensible with the before food. As yeah. in, I am really trying to make sure that, you know, my diet is 50 to 60% carbs. Um, I've knocked down the protein. I'm making sure I'm having healthy fats with my carbs because they are the thing that make you feel, I don't know, for me, they make. Satis- satisfying and flavoursome that's kind of what makes you think yeah I'm done with that meal now but I would say my post run hasn't been very organised and I haven't given it that much consideration and I suppose yeah I have just kind of just seen it as a bit of like a a free fall but it would say yes over the past since January there has been more cake.
3: <laughs> so Now you're super fit. Although you've always been super fit, to be honest. But Now you're getting close to race ready and I am not. How far do you reckon you've got to go to be able to beat me? Because not that long ago, over 10 miles in the Great South Run, I still won. I left you at mile eight eating my dust. And there's nothing you could do about it. So, talk us through that experience of losing.
1: In your mind, you won. Because we ran together... Because finished first. Well, yeah, yeah, but we ran together for eight miles, and then at eight miles you just looked at me and went, I'm bored now, and you ran on. But in my head, I don't know whether it was like, tiredness, or delirium, I did think that you were running on to the end to propose. <laughs> so I let you have those two miles. Uh, I've not <laughs>
3: this excuse yet. <laughs> it is amazing I should just say that even after running 20 miles at the moment, and I'm only running for four, you still leave me behind. <laughs> it's really embarrassing. <laughs> and so for a final question, just as I go and put my feet up in my free lunch. <laughs> you said earlier that aesthetics is what got you into running. What keeps you running? What is it that motivates you now?
1: I think it's therapy with myself. (laughs) Deep. It's like, it can be as small as me being annoyed that there's loads of dishes on the side. (laughs)
3: Left by you.
1: (laughs) Um, Or like small house stuff or like that to big work things which have happened. Going on a run just seems to put this, like, physical and mental distance between me and whatever the problem is. And then when I come back, I just feel like I'm much better equipped to deal with it. I don't know whether that's being outdoors, whether it's just taking loads of big deep breaths, or just kind of actually removing myself from the situation, but it it really helps. Like, it helps where those like high intensity fitness classes don't help me. Like I can often come out of a room which has got bright lights and pumping music and feel really like.
3: Even more stressed out.
1: Yeah, more stressed out. Euphoric. Yeah, euphoric. And been like, damn, that was good. But I don't feel like I've given myself any time to sort all the stuff out what's going on up here. So that is why I keep running. And we're done, babe. Yay. Oh, oh God, Cute. that was a bit cringe, wasn't it? It's as if you were just in nearly- the p- <laughs> Yeah, you, know, you just puked in your mouth. Um, and I, so I hope you enjoyed learning a bit more about me and my running and my life. Big thank you to this week's guest,
3: <laughs> uh,
1: Edward Lane, formerly Wellness Head. Um, Next week, I have a brilliant, brilliant guest coming on and normal service resumes. You hear less of me and you'll hear more of them. So until then, guys, have a really great week and I will catch up with you on Instagram. Thank you so much for listening to Welfare, your guide to conquering 26.2. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do take 30 seconds to rate and review us on iTunes. It really does make all the difference and I and the team read absolutely everything you write, which means the world to us. New episodes will be released every Sunday on all the usual podcast platforms, so please do subscribe and never miss a notification. Until then, thanks again to all of you for listening and supporting us and thanks to Mag's Creative, the producers of this show.